episode number six. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Stuck Method, Shira Taylor Gura. Hello, my dear listeners. So as promised from the last episode, I'm going to bring you today a story from my book, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being. But before I do, I wanted to let you know this week, my book was chosen as the winner of the 2017 International Book Award Contest in the category of self-help. Wow, I received that notification this week in my email, and I have to let you know that I am still a little bit shocked. I am incredibly humbled by that award, and I am incredibly grateful that my book has received that recognition. Not for the sake necessarily of just recognition, but because that recognition may help more people find my book and this podcast and thereby support those people in their lives with getting unstuck. So I am super excited about that and I wanted to share that award with you. So before I begin to share with you my story from my book, as well as the lesson that I took from it, I'd like to share with you an iTunes review from this past week that I received. This one was written by life coach Bruce Langford, who also has a podcast, and his podcast is called Mindfulness Mode, and I was actually a guest on that podcast not too long ago. This is what he wrote. This podcast is truly a gift to those searching for ways to move forward in any area of their lives. The host, Shira, has a soothing, gentle voice, and she explains her concepts in an easy-to-understand, logical way. Her stories are inspiring and help to make her points crystal clear. I am fortunate because I was honored to have Shira as a guest on my own Mindfulness Mode podcast, where she added huge value to my listeners. I encourage you to check back often. This is a don't miss podcast. Oh, and I find the opening music and gentle guitar music is perfectly matched to the content of the show. Thanks, Shira. Well, thank you, Bruce. That was really sweet. And I appreciate that review, and I appreciate the time you took to listen in and to write those words for me. Okay, so now we are ready to move on with this episode. The consideration for this week is going to be self-acknowledgement. This is a particularly important consideration for me personally, because I find myself getting stuck in wanting acknowledgement from other people. And when I don't receive it, I get stuck on frustration. 
And I'm sure I'm not the only one in the world that gets stuck in this. All of us, or okay, maybe most of us, enjoy or we even seek out acknowledgement from other people. I mean, think about it for a moment. Think about the work that you do in this world, whether it's work that you do at home or work that you do in an office. I bet that you like to be acknowledged for what you do in this world, right? Especially when you make great efforts with your work. And when you don't receive that acknowledgement, it can really put you in a bad mood because you kind of feel like the people around you don't care about your efforts, right? And it can get really frustrating. So let me share with you my story. Again, it's taken from my book. And then I'll share with you some insights that I had afterwards regarding it. The name of the story is called Stuck On, Acknowledge Me. I spent the entire day cleaning the house and preparing a beautiful Shabbat dinner for my husband and my four children. So by the way, this is a a Friday night dinner that we have uh, each week celebrating the Sabbath. I cleaned the bathrooms, I washed the floors, I dusted the house, I cooked a special menu in gratitude for my hardworking husband. In addition to new recipes, I decided to make my husband's favorite eggplant dish, which is his grandmother's most prized recipe, and one that I hardly ever make because it's so time-consuming, as well as fresh bread. And when the family gathered together to eat, I was proud of myself for the clean house we were sitting in and the delicious meal we were about to partake in. After we welcomed in the Sabbath with song and prayer, I set the warm bread on the table alongside three different salads, including my husband's favorite eggplant dish, and we began to eat. Yet, no one commented on the food. I was surprised because I was expecting someone to comment on either the bread or one of the salads at least, but no one said a word. No one even mentioned the unusually immaculate state of the house they were sitting in. Okay, this is strange, I was thinking to myself, but I bet someone will say something once they taste the soup. But the soup was served and still no comments were made. I started to feel disappointed. More than anything, I wanted my husband to make a comment of gratitude for the food that I slaved over. Not only that, I wanted him to model gratitude for my children, to teach them that good husbands acknowledge their hardworking wives. But alas, nothing. I served the main dish confident that someone would say something about the new salmon recipe I had prepared for the first time in a cast iron skillet, but all I got was complete silence. I mean, there was talking and noise at the table. Everyone was eating too, but no one was talking about me, about my cooking, about my hard work, and how I slaved over this meal. Hello? 
You are all quite aware that without me, you would not be eating this meal at this moment, right? In a spotless house, mind you. So why isn't anyone saying anything? Of course, I said all that to myself. I didn't say that out loud. (laughs) I was really upset. I found myself eating from a place of frustration. And for me, that often translates as overeating. I kept reaching for more bread, even though I wasn't even hungry. And then I asked my family members one by one, so what does everyone think about the soup? Admittedly, it was a bit passive aggressive, but I was in that kind of mood. Oh, you like it? Oh, good. I'm so glad I responded. And how about grandma's special eggplant recipe? Anyone like that? I continued. Oh, yes. I'm so happy that you're enjoying your meal. I continued in an obnoxious tone. Looking around at blank faces, I realized I was stuck. Midway through dinner, I recognized that stuck wasn't getting me anywhere. And without anyone knowing, I stopped. I closed my eyes and took a couple of deep breaths. Rather than focusing on what my family was doing or not doing, I focused on myself. I noticed a certain tightness in my belly. I told myself I'm stuck on disappointment. I then uncovered my beliefs and checked the accuracy of each of them. I believe my husband never cares about me. Is that 100% accurate? No. I believe my husband never notices how much work I do around the house. No. I believe my husband doesn't realize how I went out of my way for him to find his grandmother's eggplant recipe. Mm, Yeah, most likely. I believe my husband is always insensitive and always ungrateful. No. I believe good husbands acknowledge their wives all of the time. Mm, Nope. So when I realized many of my beliefs were unfounded, I came up with a list of possible considerations and other viewpoints to my story. I can consider that I often make dinner and my husband often makes dinner without either of us verbally acknowledging each other. I can consider that I didn't acknowledge my husband today for his work and for being a dependable husband and father. I can consider that my husband had no clue that I was even seeking acknowledgement. He can't read my mind and I can't expect him to. I chose to consider that my husband and I often make dinner without either of us verbally acknowledging one another And with that, I verbally acknowledged my husband for the work he did that day, and I silently acknowledged myself for mine. I held myself in compassion for getting stuck on disappointment. It's okay. So that's the end of the the story in the book. And what I learned from processing through that stuck situation was that I was feeling disappointed because I had thoughts about what my husband should have been doing. 
In other words, my thoughts were creating that feeling of being disappointed. And when I was able to check in with those thoughts and check the accuracy of those thoughts and consider other perspective, other perspectives, I was able to get myself unstuck in that moment at the dinner table without anyone knowing that I was even doing all that work. Now, why did I choose this story to be the first story from my book that I'm reading to you? Because this exact situation or nearly exact situation just happened again this past Friday night where I had an intense and unusual Friday where I was running around doing errands and I had little time to cook. And yet, lo and behold, when we sat down to eat, which included a guest, a cousin who was visiting from out of town, from out of the country, actually, the spread on the table looked and smelled like a restaurant. I mean, really, I cooked up six different salads, fresh bread, and a quiche, and no acknowledgement. So guess what? I got stuck on it. And so I wanted to share the story purposefully with you today to let you know that the things that trigger us most in our lives don't go away. They just don't. And our job in this world is not to try to change those triggers or those people or whatever those triggers are. Our job is to take responsibility for how we are going to choose to be and react in any given situation. Our triggers are familiar and our ways of responding to them are typically also familiar. And yet we have the power to choose how we are going to respond and react in any situation if we are aware that we are stuck and if we're interested in changing our habitual patterns. In other words, do I want to have a sour attitude and be miserable during dinner, which is my tendency, I guess, when I get stuck? Or do I want to get unstuck and enjoy the evening? And of course, what did I do this, this past Friday night? I chose the latter. I chose to get unstuck. This is a practice, my dear friends. This does not come naturally. And while the steps of the stuck method are simple, they are not always easy. But I can tell you, the more you practice it, the more you will realize how it enhances your emotional well-being day by day. And not only that, you will notice how your practice and the work that you do on yourself will affect and does affect the people around you. Have you ever experienced something like that before where you felt like you wanted to be acknowledged and you didn't? I'm sure I'm not the only one. So the practice for this week is to consider self-acknowledgement when you're processing through a stuck situation. And you know what? You can consider self-acknowledgement even when you're not stuck. 
Why not? Next week's episode is going to be slightly different. I decided that every seventh episode, I'm going to pause from sharing stuck stories with you and how you can get unstuck from them. And instead, I want to bring you other goodies. So next week, I'm going to dedicate the entire episode to the concept of stopping. The first step in the stuck method, and it's the step that most people claim is the most difficult. So tune in. It's going to be a really good episode, and there's also going to be a practice component to it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.thestuckmethod.com.